My guest is Steve Servick. He is a firefighter, he's a mental health advocate, he's a keynote speaker, a support mentor, and an author of The Unbroken, a firefighter's memoir, written to help you, you who are suffering with mental health issues. It's a great book that you've written, um, very, very detailed, very informative, very helpful. Um, Steve, thanks so much for joining me on the line tonight. Thanks for having me, Marty. Fabulous book, extremely important. Mental illness, mental health, depression, anxiety, all stigmatized, all taboo. And you have written this beautiful memoir that will make you cry, make you laugh, <laughs> make you smile, and it will give you inspiration and hope in what can be a very dark world. Tell us a little bit about your background and uh, how this book came to be. Well, what I tell people who are struggling or battling depression or sadness or whatever they want to call it is once you get on the other side of it in a position of strength like I am, you can talk about it. And I wrote most of this book through clinical counseling and took notes. When I first went to clinical counseling after a series of bad calls, uh, my wife pretty much forced me to go. So I wasn't open-minded enough to sit with a health professional and you know, discuss the things that I needed to talk about. And after several clinical counselors and psychologists, I sat down with one after I had a mental health crisis. And, you know, she said, what do you want to talk about? And I said, I don't want to talk about my childhood. She said, okay. And I was like, awesome. So right away I made a connection with her because every other counselor and psychologist wanted to talk about that. And I didn't want to talk about that. I was, I had shame. I, I was embarrassed to my family. I felt like a loser when I was a kid. I just blocked it out of my memory. And what happens when you do that is you take up storage in your, and your ability to sometimes just get through day to day. And I chose a career as a first responder and living the life, playing lacrosse, hockey, I had a great job. You know, I was a, pretty heavy drinker because that's what we did and you know everything was working fine until it stopped working and that's what my book is about it's about a moment in my career when I had a mental health crisis and I talk about how clinical counseling got inside my head and unraveled my story and helped me process it something everybody can do but I I never wrote those notes down to write a book it was something I did as therapy Many years later, I met this incredible human being. I mean, he was only in my life for two years. He got me out talking about my story and mental health. And, you know, we were trying to change the stigma in the fire service because, you know, we had an epidemic of suicides. And, yeah, I felt really good about what I was doing. And, and that person was a mentor for me. He encouraged me. He just kept me going. And then he took his life in 2018. And all those emotions and all those issues that I had, back when I had my mental health crisis, came crashing back many years later. But what was interesting this time is I was surrounded by psychologists and clinical counselors that I had been speaking with or I'd met. And I managed to recover very quickly this time, and I learned a lot about myself. Stuff that you wrote down, you should write it and put it in a book and show it to your kids because it would help them deal with their own stresses. So that was, that was how the book became. And I, wrote, I spent a couple hours a day sometimes an hour, and I just kept writing and writing and writing, and then I brought it to my son's friend, and I said, hey, can you clean this up for me? He said, you should show this to an editor, and I did, and she said, you got to publish this, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to publish it. It's very personal, and 
She said, I think it would help people. I think what you're trying to do, this is important. And I said, okay, I agreed to do it if we remove four parts. And if you read the book, you'd know what those parts were. There's some parts in there that were very hard for me to push publish, but so many people have reached out to me since I published this book and told me it made them think about their childhood or those moments for a boy, the confusing parts of puberty or things that you did or your first girlfriend, things like that. It made other people relate to their childhood and their issues. And now that I'm on the other side of that, I can speak to it and it feels really good about what I'm doing and the journey that I'm on. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot easier for me to talk about now than it was at the very beginning. How's that? Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of things there. So the counselor didn't want you to talk about your childhood, uh, but obviously uh, your childhood played a role um, in this. And you must have had some fear around talking about your childhood. And does it always go back to childhood for people? No, I don't think it does. But I think what happens is, in my case, like I rarely compare myself to anybody. A lot of people have told me they have very similar stories and they've, the same thing has happened to them. For me, I worked so hard at trying to forget my childhood and the embarrassment of my family. Every day that was in my head. Like you have 50,000 thoughts a day. Many of those were trying to block out those memories of my childhood. And you know what? Once I sat down with a clinical counselor who said I didn't have to talk about it, within a couple of sessions, I'm openly talking about my childhood and that's a good counselor that connection gave me tools she helped me rewrite my own narrative so i got to look back at my child and go geez i did that that was a little embarrassing or geez my parents were alcoholics but they weren't bad people geez i wish i didn't break into those things or steal those things but i was a dumb kid like i completely looked at my whole life differently with the help of a health professional it was it was amazing that's why i'm a big proponent of clinical counseling and it's not for everybody, but I, it definitely changed my life. Now, Steve, you talked in the earlier segment about a mental health crisis that you had, and then you kind of rebounded um, after your friend died by suicide, a friend who was very supportive to you. For the listeners, can you describe what a mental health crisis is, what you mean by that? People survive events in their life when they, they get a divorce or they have a death or they lose a loved one. And for first responders, many of them came from, in my case, I came from a childhood that I wanted to become a helper and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make a difference. And I had a childhood dream to be a firefighter and I became that person. And I got to put on a uniform and it felt so amazing. And at the beginning of my career, I loved going to those calls, you know, the flyers, and I loved it. And any time I went to a bad call, a shooting or a car crash or something that bothered me, I would drink. And I'm not joking when I say it worked for me. It worked for me for about 12 years. And then my daughter got deathly ill and was in children's hospital and was very sick. And we, we were told she might die. And I went back to work after about a week and spent time with my son. And in that week of work, attempted to resuscitate three kids, two babies, a two-month-old, a three-month-old, and an 11-year-old girl. And I connected those kids with my daughter who was dying in the hospital. And I learned that through clinical counseling. And I had a rule in my head that said kids should not die. And this psychologist and clinical counselor both helped me change that rule to kids will die and I can deal with it. And first responders struggle with events when they relate them to their 
someone they know or or personally attach themselves to it. And that's what I did because I had rules in my head that said things shouldn't happen. Unfortunately, I'm in a profession where they did. I, be, I became overwhelmed with sadness over a period of time. And my wife noticed my drinking increased. Um, it didn't work like it did before, but of course, like anyone, I, I drank more. I became angry. I became irritable. Uh, the world wasn't, there was nothing in the world that was shiny anymore. I would sit at my kids' birthday parties and I wouldn't want to be there. I had a very supportive wife and she, I could have told her anything, but I didn't want to because I didn't think she'd understand and I didn't want to be a pity party and all those things. And that's how divorces happen. And that's how, in my case, people intervene. And that's what I do now. They intervene in my life and got me to someone who could help me. And that was a clinical counselor in my case. Could be a psychologist, could be a, a doctor. But in my case, it was a clinical counselor who made a connection with me and helped me out of that, that dark time. And it was very dark. And, and what do you say to somebody who can see themselves in your story? You're on the other side of it. Congratulations. It's awesome. There are people who are, who are suffering, who are thinking some of the same things you're thinking, you were thinking, like about shame and embarrassment and, you know, having these narratives, these shoulds, basically in their heads. What advice would you give to them? I'm doing an intervention with somebody right now with a couple of other people, and we're trying very hard to help someone that we care about. And it reminds me of myself. He's given up. Uh, he's exhausted mentally, physically. I would tell them that there is help. They're not alone. It might be hard work, but I can assure you that people that are really struggling use the same line. There's one thing you've done your whole life. You have gotten through bad days. Your batting average of getting through bad days is 100%, and you can do this. So you just try and get people to tomorrow, and that's what someone did for me. That's exactly what they did to me when I'd given up on myself. And that's what I do for other people. I get people to a clinical counselor, to the hospital, to a psychologist. I have a whole support network that I work with, and we do that. We People reach out to us, and we help them. This is a very tough time. Lots of people are struggling. You know what? When your sleep is affected, and that's usually when you get into crazy, and that's what happened to me. I was doing two to three hours a night. You've got to get that sleep back. Exercise is one of the best ways to battle sadness and depression. Just if you're drinking struggling with drugs, go see your doctor and just be honest. Like, just be honest with somebody. And if you have a good relationship with your doctor, just sit down with your doctor. And that's how the name of the book came about was, I was crying in my doctor's office, and she asked me, what do you want? And I said, I just want to be unbroken. And she said, you're not broken, you're wounded. Oh. That analogy is, that's true, I felt like there was no hope. But she said, no, you're wounded. It's just like pulling your hands from hands You've got to go to physiotherapy for your mind. And that, that comment to me empowered me. She just held my hand. Like it, I was so supported out of that dark place. I know some people don't get that, but I assure you there's help. And there's one thing in your darkest day, if you're all alone, phone the crisis line. Yes. Just make that call. How can people get your book, The Unbroken? They can go on Amazon. They can... They can go to the local Freedom Press bookstore. It's amazing. It's at Indigo. It's at Barnes & Noble. Um, it's out there. And I thank you. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Night Health Show podcast. You can subscribe, rate, or review on your favorite podcast app. Have a happy and healthy week.